The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. What's going on, everybody? Eric Franson on a Wednesday. AJ had to sneak out for the rest of the hour. Uh, maybe he had another one of those important phone calls that he just won't ever tell us who he's talking to, discussing really important, super secret stuff. Now, he had to step out. Uh, legitimate reason, but we still won't uh, let that prevent us from teasing him. Uh, but still, this hour, big things to talk about Utah State with a big win on the road last night at Colorado State. Utah State is now in second place, but they're tied with Boise State. A half a game ahead of Colorado State, half a game ahead of uh, Nevada, and one full game ahead of UNLV. A very, very tight race right in the middle for the Mountain West Conference. So it was Utah State's been moving up the last you know, couple of weeks here. I mean, the, the, themes, the theme song from that old TV show, right? Moving on up. Uh, but they're not done yet. They still have more room to go. They need to create some separation. They not only need to be tied with these teams, they need separation. And that occurs by continuing to win out. Um, and, uh, the, the next game is, is coming up this weekend against Fresno State, who is and 4-9 in conference play. And uh, not and they're having a, a rough year. The Fresno State has been struggling this year, not really that dynamic uh, in the type of season that they have had. Utah State took care of them earlier in the year, uh, but it was still kind of a closer game. Utah State was still a top 25 team at the time and beat them 77-70, uh, to 70. Um, but uh, Fresno State really hasn't played tremendously well since then. Uh, their, their wins in conference play are against San Jose, at Wyoming, at Air Force, they did have a somewhat interesting win at home against New Mexico, but they have lost their last two. They lost by 10 hosting Colorado State, and then they lost uh, a, just it's a, by one point in a really, really close one, 68-67 to 67 at UNLV. So uh, they do play San Jose State tonight. And then they'll host uh, Utah State on Saturday. But for the Aggies, Stu Morrill, <laughs> Stu Morrill, Sam Merrill, <laughs> Stu Morrill recruited Sam. Does that account for anything? Uh, but Sam Merrill with a huge game last night, 32 points for Utah State. Uh, just a tremendous clutch shooter when it mattered. Uh, Aggies had a nice lead, and they were playing comfortably ahead for uh, a portion of that second half. And then Colorado State started to make their move. Uh, Aggie started to get into these uh, slumps where they weren't able to get any buckets. And that happened a couple different times. It happened in the first half. Utah State had a nice lead. And then they went cold for a couple of minutes. And uh, Colorado State closed the gap. And the Aggies started to get it figured out again. And uh, then early in the second half, it happened again. Aggies had a 10-point lead and then went cold for a while. Went cold for another couple of minutes. Colorado State closed the gap, created just a, a two-point game, and Utah State started to get going again, started to create a little bit more separation, create some breathing room, 
And uh, then with about four, four and a half minutes to go, went cold again. And uh, they just weren't able to score very many points until just the last uh, last minute, minute and a half. And then they were able finally to start to score some points uh, once again after Colorado State closed the gap and uh, made it anybody's game. But big credit for Sam Merrill. Clutch shots with the shot clock winding down. And uh, some great uh, three-point shooting. Really the only Aggie who was decent from beyond the arc. Six three-pointers made. Six of ten from beyond the arc. Uh, Brock Miller was only one of six. Abel Porter was only one of five. Uh, Justin Bean had one attempt. Missed. Uh, Karofsky, uh, a rushed shot. Um, he missed his one attempt. Brito made one of four. So not really a great shooting night from beyond the arc for Utah State outside of Sam Merrill. But uh, what a special player. I mean, he only misses six shots overall. Four of those were three-pointers. So only two shots inside the arc that were missed. Great, uh, great percentages for Sam. Uh, but not only what he did offensively scoring the ball, but also how he got other players involved. He had five assists. He also had a steal and four rebounds. Just a great performance by Sam Merrill. Uh, he wasn't alone. He did have some help. Namiyash Keta uh, played great. He did get into a little bit of foul trouble. Uh, when he got that third foul early in the second half, he had to sit for some time. We saw Kuba get some minutes. Uh, Dorius get a little bit. But we saw more of Kuba than we've seen in a long time. Uh, but uh, but what Keta was able to do, uh, I thought he pretty much effectively canceled out Nico Carvacho. And Carvacho is one of their best players for Colorado State. Carvacho ends up with nine rebounds and 12 points. Keta, 11 rebounds and 14 points uh, to go along with two assists and two blocks. So uh, it was a great performance again by Keta, just a really steadying force in the post. For Utah State and just that one-two punch. Now that it's it's on point and it's working well, Utah State's a tough team defensively and offensively. Uh, they got some help off the bench. Diogo Brito with another big game off the bench, scoring in double figures. And as we've seen, Utah State is perfect when Diogo Brito scores in double figures. Um, they have, they do not lose if Diogo Brito scores in double figures. Eleven points, two assists a steal, and a rebound to go along with everything else that he was doing, um, really drawing a lot of the defensive efforts uh, against Isaiah Stevens, who really gave the Aggies some fits um, uh, last night. Um, and it wasn't so much uh, Thistlewood, uh, though he did chip in 10 points. But, um, but still, nice win for Utah State. And it was big because, well, for a number of reasons, as we've talked about how crowded the field is in the Mountain West Conference. But it also is an important win for the when it comes to at-large opportunities for the NCAA tournament. Right now, Colorado State, uh, well, going into the game, they were in that uh, inside of the top 100. Uh, they were in 95. With the loss, they've moved to drop down just a little bit to 98. But they're still considered a top 100 team. And if you can beat a top 100 team on the road, that is really important. That gets you into that quad two. They have four different quadrants, what they consider uh, for how they evaluate teams. Um, you know, the, you, how well you play top teams, uh, either at home is different from how where you play on the road or if it's in a neutral site. But 
They break them into four different categories, four different quadrants, and Colorado State is in, considered in that second quadrant where Utah State was able to beat them on the road. One of the few quality road wins or quality wins away from the spectrum that Utah State has had on the year. They had some nice wins in the um, non-conference neutral site games that they had earlier in the year, but really not many, or if any, good true road wins. So that's going to be a good mark for Utah State when a selection committee considers whether or not they should go to the NCAA tournament. So uh, it was a good win, being able to close it out and finish the game when things were getting a little bit dicey. And how about just how different things were last night compared to the way things were Saturday night against Boise State. 35 free throw attempts for the Aggies on Saturday, but only four last night. And those four only came in the last minute, minute and a half. So really bizarre just how different officiating can be from one night to the next in the Mountain West Conference. But uh, Abel Porter, who hadn't been shooting the ball well, uh, really only had he only saw the, the ball go through the hoop three times all night and uh, was struggling, uh, was uh, one of those late fouls and went up on a one-and-one, one, made both, and to, just to give the Aggies a little bit more of a, a comfortable lead because they had that four-point lead. They were holding on to it, and then bang, bang, Colorado State gets the ball, and uh, Thistlewood hits a three, and just like that, it's a one-point game again. So a big credit to Sam and uh, Abel Porter for making their free throws at the end. Uh, Sam Merrill getting 32 points on the night, uh, surpassing uh, that 2,000-point mark and then surpassing uh, Wayne Estes on the all-time points scored list. So uh, great night for Sam Merrill, great night for the Utah State Aggies. Now, the next thing on the list, Sam's chasing Greg Grant. Greg Grant has uh, 2,127 career points at Utah State. Sam is about 100 points away. If he scores 100 points, uh, he surpasses Greg Grant. So basically, uh, for the, he's got four guaranteed, well, really five guaranteed games left, four in the regular season, and then at least one uh, in the Mountain West Conference Tournament. So if he averages 20 in all of those games, he will pass Greg Grant to be number two all-time for Utah State in points scored. So what a special player Sam Merrill is. Uh, definitely going down as one of the all-time greats uh, for USU. Uh, is he the all-time greatest guard for the Aggies? Uh, we'll have that discussion coming up, I think, later this week when we debate our five best uh, five best guards because we didn't have a chance to get into that last Friday. But uh, he's definitely on the Mount Rushmore for me, uh, for guards for U- at Utah State. But uh, tremendous game for him, tremendous game for uh, Namiyash Keta. Another solid performance for Diego Brito off the bench, playing basically starter minutes. And uh, Utah State got that win with tremendous defense. Uh, the shots weren't really falling for a lot of the guys, but they were playing great defense. Uh, Colorado State averages about 89, 90 points a game at home. And Utah State held them to only 72 so big defensive effort by the Aggies, and that's been their hallmark. But it, what's odd, though, is even though they held them below their averages, well below their averages, Colorado State still scored 51%, 52% of their field goals. But they just didn't give them 
as many looks. They uh, played a, a slow game. They made it difficult for possessions. Uh, they w- didn't let them get out and run. So uh, it was a great performance by Utah State in a lot of different areas and how they were able to secure that win. Uh, there are a couple other games last night in the Mountain West. And you know what? Give it to New Mexico. This is the team that Utah State's going to have to face at the end of the year. They were uh, they were playing uh, San Diego State. That game was in San Diego. And New Mexico played them tough in the first half, at least. Uh, it was anybody's game. It was a close game. And uh, New Mexico uh, hang, was hanging in there and, um, you know, making it a close contest, trying to uh, keep things uh, within range. But then uh, in the second half, San Diego State just really separated themselves. Uh, but at, uh, at one point, uh, New Mexico did have a slight lead near the end of the first half. But um, it, at halftime, San Diego State did have a little bit of a lead, just a couple points, 35 to 33. And But they just go on a tear offensively. They really clamp down defensively. New Mexico really had a hard time getting the ball down into the, into the post and scoring anything. And uh, before you know it, San Diego State has a, a nearly 30-point lead in the second half and close it out winning 82 to 59. That's just a, an incredible team that knows how to turn it on. Uh, so that's uh, the, you now you certainly know why they're ranked as high as they are with so many different weapons that they have at their disposal. Uh, the other games in the mountain West last night, there was only one other game besides Utah state and San Diego state in action, Boise state and air force and Boise state took care of business there 74 to 57. Um, which keeps Boise State in the hunt at the top or or near the top with Utah State. But a couple of games going on tonight in the Mountain West. Fresno State, who Utah State will be playing this uh, Saturday, they're in action tonight against San Jose. The game is at San Jose. Uh, So Utah State gets a chance to watch that in real time as they prepare for the Bulldogs. And uh, that's at 8 o'clock tonight. And then there's another game in the Mountain West tonight. It's a it's an in-state rivalry game, Nevada and UNLV. The game, if you want to watch it, that'll be on ESPN three. Game in Las Vegas and Nevada, excuse me, UNLV is favored by two in this one. So if uh, if you're an Aggie fan, you probably want to be cheering for UNLV in this one, just because of where things are in the current standings of uh, where things are in the Mountain West. Uh, Because Nevada is just a half a game behind Utah State. Nevada is a full game behind Utah State. So those two teams are really close to each other in the current standings. Uh, But uh, anyway, that's what's going on tonight throughout the Mountain West Conference. And uh, things pick up again uh, later on this week on uh, Saturday. There's no games until Saturday, and it's a pretty busy schedule with a lot of teams in action. Utah State with the uh, late game. And that'll be on ESPNU on Saturday night. With our, and then we'll have our pregame coverage next door on KVNU starting at 7 on Saturday. And uh, tip-off will be at 8. And you can watch the game on ESPNU. Uh, there'll be an earlier game on CBS Sports Network, UNLV at uh, New Mexico. That game will be at 4. So that may be another interesting one to check in on if you're an Aggie fan to see how New Mexico is looking as uh, they are going to be a future opponent uh, for the Aggies. So, uh, anyway, that's what's going on in the Mountain West Conference. Uh, San Diego State actually will play on on Sunday. That'll be on CBS Sports Network. That game will be in Boise. 
and uh, certainly think that San Diego State would be favored in that one. Uh, but uh, San Diego State could do the Aggies a favor by taking care of Boise and putting the Aggies in sole possession of number two, uh, that number two spot in the Mountain West Conference. So uh, that's what this week looks like so far throughout the Mountain West. Coming up next in the Full Court Press, we'll look at the Utah Jazz. They're in action tonight, taking on the Miami Heat, one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference, though they're not quite as good on the road as they are at home. But they have changed up their lineup a little bit. Some familiar faces, some uh, some guys that have uh, had a lot of success in the league, now playing for the Miami Heat. How much did that change their trajectory in the Eastern Conference and the matchups that we might see tonight in Salt Lake City? We'll discuss that coming up next right here on the Full Court Press. It's the Full Court Press, weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Eric Franson, Ajay Salveson, he's out for this hour. But the show must go on. We'll continue to talk about what's going on in sports tonight. Utah Jazz are in action. Taking on the uh, Miami Heat. And because we've got high school basketball tonight here on The Fan, uh, a big game for Skyview Basketball taking on Green Canyon, uh, we will not have the Utah Jazz broadcast as they take on the Miami Heat. The last game for the Jazz before they enter the All-Star break and uh, I, I think it's a needed break for the Jazz. Everybody needs a needs the break to heal up, get healthy, and fine-tune some things if they need to. Um, but the Utah Jazz have won three in a row going into this game. They are in the middle of this stretch of crazy games. I don't think we've given it a proper name just yet of that stretch of games from the end of January to the end of February where every single team they face is a playoff team, a, a team that has above 500 record. And uh, it's no different tonight. Jazz take on the Miami Heat. Miami Heat are currently fourth in the uh, Eastern Conference standings, 35-18. and 18. Um, But this is a team that's uh, struggling just a little bit. Adam, Adam, the intern, why don't you hop on the microphone here with me? All right. This, uh, this Utah Jazz team taking on Miami Heat, where... The Heat made some moves. They were kind of, earlier in the year, they were really surprising some people, I think, and how well they were, were playing, and they were one of the top teams in the East. They've slipped a bit here. Um, they've only won five of their last ten, but they made some roster changes. They added Andre Iguodala. They also added Jay Crowder to their roster. Uh, they really haven't had too many games to play together with Miami just yet. I think it's a little hard to know if those guys fit in yet with what Miami's trying to do. I agree, especially with uh, Jay Crowder, because Jay Crowder is just one of those players. He's not like most players where he's going to try to beat you with his finesse. He's just going to bully you. That's kind of his game. That's kind of his MO is I'm just going to bully you and I'm going to beat you that way. And Andre Iguodala, he's a little interesting to me because, I mean, he is an older player. I mean, you've heard it, especially on this station with other hosts and that. They're just saying he's an older player. He's admitted that. And so it is going to be interesting to see if this helps push him towards the playoffs. I think I think the Jay Crowder situation works because, I mean, he will obviously get along with 
well with Jimmy Butler because Jimmy Butler is kind of the same way as his. <laughs> is like, I'm going to work for everything I get. Yes. Nothing's going to be handed to me. Two tough personalities. Exactly. But I don't know about the whole Andre Iguodala. I mean, obviously he's going to help because he's got that experience factor, being in a finals MVP, playing for the Warriors, things like that. But oh, it's going to be interesting to see. I think uh, besides the, the newcomer additions with Jay Crowder and certainly his return to Utah, he was part of the Jazz team for such a long time. And I honestly, I miss Jay Crowder. I do too. I, I really think the do. Jazz lack a, a tough guy enforcer on the court. I agree. He brought some toughness. Um, and uh, he was he was decent defensively. I think he wasn't consistent enough on the three. And I think they felt like the Jazz organization felt like Royce O'Neal is a has more upside than Jay, so it's okay to let Jay go. But still, I, I miss Jay Crowder. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be happy to see him back in, in the arena I tonight. Too. I hope he gets a standing ovation for a hot minute because yeah. he deserves it. And I think people will. I think the Jazz fans will respond well to him. Um, but really, I, I think that uh, he brings an interesting element to Miami. Andre Iguodala, as you said, he's an older player, but he's been in a lot of championships. He's been a tremendous player. And I think what he brings is a, a, an experience, a veteran leadership, somebody who can uh, play good defense at sometimes different uh, positions and uh, will only need to put up a shot or two when it's necessary. And probably he's going to make those shots when he needs to put them up. Yeah, I agree. Um, and that's kind, of the, that's kind of the reason why I feel like they went for him is because he's kind of a gadget player. I mean, he doesn't really have a set thing that he does. He's just kind of a jack-of-all-trades sort of thing. And so I, th- I think it works. It is going to be interesting to see if it like works in the locker room, like team chemistry and that. But on paper and looking at it, you would think it would work. Uh, I think really the uh, besides uh, – well, I want to talk about uh, Jimmy Butler here in just a second, but one of the other players I'm really going to be interested to keep an eye on tonight is Bam Adebayo. Uh, I think he's one of those uh, players that – um, he's an all-star, and he's one of those players that probably not enough people know about, certainly not out in the Western Conference. Uh, he's a, an aggressive power forward, uh, grabs a lot of rebounds. He can you know, get to the post and make things difficult. Um, he probably, uh, Rudy Gobert draws him defensively, probably. Uh, but uh, it's that that's going to be an interesting matchup if, if Rudy doesn't. If they're going with... Um, like a, a Myers Leonard or somebody else at the true center position. Um, and even Myers Leonard likes to come sometimes step out to shoot threes. Um, that could be really interesting to see how, how Miami tries to attack that. Uh, but we've seen when, when the Utah Jazz face teams with good big men, defensively things are better for the Jazz. If teams go small, it's a little more of a struggle. Uh, the Jazz did start to figure this out, though, when they had that nice win at Houston. Over the weekend, yeah, that was pretty. That was interesting to see, especially with the small ball, and that's what I wanted to see. I wanted to see if you could take a complete team of like point guards and wings in that, and see if you can beat them with our defensive scheme. And I think it worked out pretty good. And I think this is just going to become a springboard, especially with tonight's game. I think if you're right, I think if we can um, control Bam and Myers and all that good stuff, if we can control them, then I think the Jazz win this pretty handedly, and then we go into the All Star break. On a what four game winning streak? Yep. We come out five and five from what I'm just going to call it the death row of the schedule <laughs> sort of go. thing. Um, so I think that I think that sets us up very well for after the All Star break. 
um, gives us the jazz a rest. And it is going to be interesting to see if Quinn Snyder tries to change anything about our defense to, I guess, compensate for the way that teams are attacking the Jazz with this small wing, draw out Rudy Gobert, and force him to play defense on the perimeter. Yeah, that's uh, Houston was the first to expose the Jazz doing that. Uh, San Antonio carbon copied it effectively. Uh, and then the uh, the Jazz started to make some, some adjustments to that, and now I think they've started to figure it out a little bit better. Uh, but the, this is this is a Miami team that can strike from different places. Uh, Jimmy Butler is a guy that can is not afraid to mix it up inside, but also shoot from the outside. Um, and uh, and then Bam Adebayo for the type of play he's had as a as an aggressive power forward. Um, so this this is going to be an interesting matchup tonight for the Jazz. Uh, it, and I think that. The, the Jazz actually looking at this one, they are favored in this one. They're favored by four and a half tonight. So expected to still be kind of a close game, but I I really like where the Jazz are in just in their mental space uh, for able to compete against these good teams with the exception of Donovan Mitchell. I am still concerned about how much he's turning the ball over lately, and he just doesn't seem to have that right level of focus uh, at key moments, which is odd to say, because he still comes down and makes clutch shots in the fourth quarter when it's when it's necessary. But he he has shown a potential or, or a propensity to uh, just kind of a an unfocused or an undisciplined stretch uh, uh, during these games of the last few games. Too often, I'm seeing him kind of turn the ball over, touch his chest, point to whomever, and say, "That's me. That's I'm sorry." This is just happening way too much for Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, I wonder if that has anything to do with the All-Star uh, break coming up and the All-Star game that him and Rudy have been named to. Uh, I don't want to say it does, but it also at the same time, it's kind of a big deal, and I can kind of see why the emotions of just having that, um, I guess, opportunity to play in a big game like that, I mean, being recognized for the skills that you have, um, maybe it just kind of threw him off and... Hopefully after the All-Star break, he figures it out. Yeah, I think I think um, that just shows how much Donovan wants to hold on to the ball, I guess. Um, he doesn't really want to give it up. And so sometimes that creates a problem in and of itself with the turnovers and things like that. Um, but again, I think Donovan figures it out. He He's obviously, he's not one of those players who just shrugs it off. I mean, you can see he kind of takes it personally. Um, so I think he figures it out. It is going to be interesting to see... Um, especially tonight, if that happens, especially if it's a close game, which I don't want to say it will be, but I feel like it will be. Very well could be. It very well could be. Um, yeah, so- my, Miami is really, really good at home. I think they've only lost three times all year at home. Not that great on the road. Yeah, they have a losing record on the road. Yeah, they're 13 and 15, so that's not very good. Um, the other thing, too, to for uh, for Jazz fans to be aware of tonight, Mike Connolly's not going to play now, he didn't play at Dallas because it's been their M.O. for him coming back from injury to not play on the second half of the back end of a, of a back-and-back. Uh, but uh, tonight he's not playing because of illness. Yeah, I read somewhere saying that a bunch of um, jazz players, and especially Quinn Snyder, I mean, he, he, he couldn't even talk during a post game. is what it sounded like against Dallas. Uh, it's just a bug going around the team. I think that's, that's, that's very weird. Um, 
like the article I was reading, it was saying a bunch of players have been cited drinking sore throat tea or whatever. I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure exactly what it said. Um, but it is interesting to see. I mean, I guess that just happens when you live in Utah. I mean, eventually you're going to get some sort of bug. Yes. And maybe that plays into it. I don't think that plays a very big factor into it, but it could play a small part into it of why players are kind of making the mistakes they are. And uh, you know, if you've been on the road a little bit and you come back, sometimes it wasn't a long road trip for the Jazz by any means, but sometimes that first game back after a road trip could be a little more challenging, a little more of a uh, of an issue. Um, our, here's... <laughs> Here's our Jimbo Redding, our Jimbo Slice moment for the night. He's always great. If you don't follow him on Twitter, you should. You're missing out. Uh, but here's he always has something to say right before every Jazz game. He says, not to be dramatic, but if the Utah Jazz don't win tonight, I'm going to drive to an empty parking lot, set cruise control to 10 miles per hour, climb out the window, crawl over the top of the car, and then climb, <laughs> climb back through the passenger window, all while humming the Mission Impossible theme. Okay. okay. All right. Setting the uh, setting the bar high. All right. all right. Come on, Jazz. Actually, I want to see that though. Uh, so he always has a not to be dramatic tweet, and then a suggestion for David Locke for his call. And so his suggestion for David Locke tonight: maybe if Rudy has a sweet block tonight, you could yell, "Oh my! Rudy can't stand the heat and has kicked everyone out of the kitchen." I don't know. Just a I like that. I like that. He should. David Locke should totally do that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, good old Jimbo Redding. Jimbo Slice. Uh, and uh, Derek Fisher lied to three teams to get out of contracts. He's always got to add that in there. Uh, anyway, coming up next here in the Full Court Press, uh, we'll also look at what else is going on on uh, one of the last nights of the regular season. Well, before the All-Star break, I should say. The last night before the break for the NBA, some of the other games to uh, tune into and watch for because it's uh, still some really close races going out there in the NBA, especially in the Western Conference. Um, and Portland had, looked like they were gaining some steam, and then every time they looked like they may be figuring it out to be a playoff team, they really mess up. So we'll update you on that as well. Coming up next here on the Full Court Press. It doesn't matter who you root for. The Full Court Press has all the high school sports covered. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. Streaming online, 1069thefan.com. By the way, thanks to 5763 for texting in. Great job last night from the Aggies in closing that game. It could have gone either way with CSU's momentum. Yes, very true. Uh, Very, very true. Um, And then uh, followed that up with uh, Sam Merrill was clutch. With all due respect for Brock Miller, I think many fans are glad he was not on the court in the closing minutes. Really seems to be struggling. Go Aggies. Uh, yeah, Brock has some games where he's he just he looks great. He looks in rhythm. Um, he's got those long arms. He can defend well ish. Um, but uh, but then there's some games where the shots not falling. If it doesn't fall early, I've, for him, I've I've seen this too many times. If it doesn't fall early, if he doesn't see the ball go through the hoop, wherever he's at early in the game, then he's going to struggle for much of the rest of the game. But Coach Smith still believes in him, still gives him a green light. Um, however, I guess that being said, 
we are seeing an evolution to the rotations and how he's handling it. Uh, we are seeing more Diego Brito late and less Brock Miller late. Um, but I think it just goes to who has the hot hand, who's playing well right now, because we've seen it the other way around too. But uh, either way, yes, absolutely correct on how Utah State closed that game out and how they finished because the momentum was shifting to Colorado State. Uh, USU had the lead. It was whittling down. They were making a few little mistakes. They couldn't uh, get baskets, and Colorado State was. Uh, then they made a big three-point shot. It was one-point game, but uh, Utah State, uh, well, Coach Smith has Sam Merrill do the inbounds, which was interesting. Uh, as the best free-throw shooter on the team, wasn't an op- it wasn't an option to pass the ball into. But uh, it, I think it provided a bit of a distraction for Colorado State. It forced them to make some different decisions. and um, But then you have to give credit to Abel Porter for how he made some free throws at the end. Uh, very, very interestingly officiated game, to say the least. And what a contrast from one game to the next. 35 free throw attempts against Boise on Saturday, and then only four against Colorado State. Colorado State only had like eight so, really weird. One game or the next, it's so different. Uh, NBA tonight, Utah Jazz in action, taking on the Miami Heat. We will not have that game here on our broadcast as part of the Utah Jazz Radio Network because we've got high school basketball. Skyview taking on Green Canyon. Hurricane John Newbold will be on the call at 645. Tip-off will be at 7 in that uh, rivalry game between those two teams. Uh, last night, uh, kind of a surprising finish, a couple of surprising finishes. The 76ers... Beating the Clippers, that helps the Jazz. Uh, I thought it was interesting that the Trailblazers and the Pelicans, the way that played out. Trailblazers been trying to make some noise, trying to get back into the playoff hunt. And first half was just about anybody's game, but uh, Zion Williamson really got going in the second half, and uh, they ran away with it, 138-117. to uh, Spurs with the win over the Thunder, which helped Utah out as well, creating a little bit more separation. And uh, what I was also really surprised with is the uh, Rockets beating the Celtics last night in Houston, 116-105. to uh, Tonight in the NBA, uh, it's a very busy night. A lot of games are not going to go through all of them. Uh, but uh, Jazz fans, besides cheering for Utah, uh, may pain you to do so, but you might want to be cheering for the L.A. Lakers tonight on ESPN as they play the Denver Nuggets in Denver. So uh, that game will start a little bit after the Jazz game does. Uh, that game's at 8 o'clock. So, um, anyway, that's uh, something to watch for uh, tonight for the, the, throughout the NBA. Uh, Utah Jazz taking on Jimmy Butler. Jay Crowder is back in Utah. That's exciting. Uh, you also have Andre Iguodala, who's a new acquisition for the Heat. And uh, how those guys work into those rotations is still a, li- a bit to be determined. But Jay Crowder, he's had some big games for them. He's played well. In the few games that he has played, he's averaging like 16 points just in the two games that he's played with the Miami Heat. Uh, a few games tomorrow, uh, and uh, and then we get into the uh, NBA All-Star break uh, for the weekend, which will be in Chicago. Uh, Donovan Mitchell will be there. Rudy Gobert will be there. And a great opportunity for both of those guys to be involved in the All-Star festivities coming up uh, this, this weekend in the NBA. You've got the... Uh, Rising Stars Challenge, which will be on Friday, uh, USA versus the World. And then on Saturday, you've got um, a lot of the different uh, festivities with the three-point shootout. Uh, 
the, the skills competition, the dunk contest. And on Sunday, it'll be the All-Star Game, 6 o'clock on TNT. Both Donovan and Rudy are on Team Giannis. So watch for uh, Team Giannis and uh, how, you, how Utah Jazz players get involved and uh, uh, get their first flavor of the NBA All-Star Weekend. Uh, coming up next here in the Full Court Press, there's uh, interesting things going on with the NCAA uh, as, a, as a group handling this, uh, this, this topic of players getting compensated for use of their names, image, and likeness. California passed a law. It's been talked about. Uh, now other states are looking at it. The state of Colorado certainly is taking a very long, hard look at it. They're probably going to pass something. And what the NCAA is afraid of is that there will be different states that will have different rules governing how this uh, takes place and how it will be regulated. And so some people are saying the government needs to get involved, make it a federal issue so that there's some consistency. Because apparently the NCAA is unable to do it themselves. So they were hauled in front of a Senate committee yesterday. We'll hear what they had to say. We'll get into that a little bit um, and uh, how that might... uh, affect their their future, what they have in mind for um, for how that might affect teams and, and schools across the country. So we'll discuss that coming up next right here on the Full Court Press, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Northern Utah and Southern Idaho's home for sports. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. A couple different things to get through at the end of the show here. The NCAA, some of their top people, brought in front of a Senate panel yesterday. And uh, we have different states looking at this, what's going on in college athletics, and saying, look, these players deserve to be compensated for use of their name, image, and likeness as any other person who may be on a college campus has the opportunity to do. Uh, The counter to that has been, like it's going to create just a a nightmare to keep track of this. Um, There's going to be an even wider gap between the haves and the have-nots in college athletics. Go to a program that... It's part of the recruiting pitch. Come here, and we got all these endorsement deal opportunities for you. And we've got this big national following, and you're going to be a part of it. Or you, we are the team in the state, and uh, you're going to be the face, and you'll receive a lot of extra opportunities outside of scholarship, room, board, food, health care. So... Uh, but different states are approaching it differently. And so there's some people saying, hey, NCAA, you got to get ahead of this thing. And the NCAA has been putting their head in the sand and trying to pretend like it's not an issue and it's going to go away, but it's not. And so finally, members of Congress are getting involved, which is always, in my opinion, a scary proposition. But um, 
they're trying to say, hey, look, this is a national thing. We need consistency, a consistent plan nationally in how we regulate this. It, it ought to be regulated federally. And that's what some people are 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 pushing for. So the board of some of their board of governors uh, were in front of a Senate panel yesterday, and uh, they they said that um, they they voted that um, they will they're going to look at that now. They voted unanimously to permit student athletes to benefit from the use of their name, image, and likeness. Uh, Michael Drake, who's their NCAA board chair and president of Ohio State University, said that we must embrace change to provide the best possible experience for college athletes. And in a statement, he said that there needs to be for additional flexibility in the NCAA's approach. So is this just, is it too little too late? Uh, Are they finally going to address the issue properly? Or is it still going to be massively messed up? Uh, here, here's the problem. Um, there's this, uh, and we've I went on, got on my soapbox on this just the other day. The NCAA and a lot of the colleges around the country parade themselves as nonprofit entities that are uh, providing opportunities for amateur athletes, but the NCAA, as an organization itself, has revenues above a billion dollars. Let that sink in. The NCAA, as an organization alone, has revenues of over a billion dollars. Much of that is because of you know rights, fees, television deals for championships. But then individually, we see conferences with huge, deep pockets. SEC just released... million to each institution this last year from the conference itself. And then, you know, those schools individually are bringing in hundreds of millions of dollars. If you're University of Texas, you're making over $200 million in revenue. Um, And then you have other programs like Utah State, who runs in the deficit and uh, with about a $38, $39 million budget which has been significantly increased over the last 10 years, but still they're relying heavily on institution support and student fees. Um, So it will be, it will create a wide disparity. If I can go to UCLA or USC and already they have an appeal for uh, being in a power five conference and being in Los Angeles, Southern California, but now also I can do some endorsement deals. Uh, if I'm on the fence between choosing Utah or USC because of my playing opportunity and the, the opportunity for success on the field, I may choose one school over the other based on those things. But now if I know that I can have endorsement opportunities, yeah, they're going to go to the, the, the bigger markets, the bigger programs, those with the bigger footprint. Uh, in fact, I, I saw somebody argue saying that while Nebraska may be far behind in the uh, revenue and arms race of many of their other counterparts in the Big Ten, this may actually be a good thing for them because they are the only game in, in town for the state of Nebraska. So it's very conceivable that, that uh, Nebraska athletes could have far richer endorsement opportunities 
than somebody at uh, another school in the Big Ten. So, uh, bottom line is that um, the NCAA is now all of a sudden claiming like, hey, this is we've been talking about this, and we think this is great. Uh, President Mark Emmert, in a statement Tuesday, as a national governing body, the NCAA is uniquely positioned to modify its rules to ensure fairness and a level playing field for student-athletes. The board's action today creates a path to enhance opportunities for student-athletes while ensuring they compete against students and not professionals. Well, just months ago, they were actively against this. Interesting report out that uh, the NCAA is, is paying over 250 grand for lobbying efforts on Capitol Hill, uh, mostly against this. And all of a sudden, they've turned and done a 180, and all of a sudden, they're embracing it. Uh, I think the NCAA has to figure out how to handle this themselves. I think if the federal government gets involved, it just gets more sticky, more cumbersome. Um, less regulations are usually better. But uh, the NCAA, as a governing body, has to figure this out. Um, it, and really, let's, let's treat it like it is. It's a, money, it's a money business. It's a money operation. And might as well give some of that to the student-athletes who are out there doing the work. Um, and if uh, you can't keep up with the big boys, then stop trying. Let's create a different league and a different opportunity for them where they can still have fun and play the game, compete for championships. But let's just call it what it is. Create a separate division. Let them pay their athletes and do what they do. And sure, maybe you can pay your athletes too, but let's just recognize that you're not going to be on that same level. I don't know. I think it's it's complicated. It's not that simple. We're still got a long ways to go, but it's interesting how all of a sudden now the NCAA as an institution has flipped a 180 and is suddenly embracing this like it was their idea all along. That's uh, typical. Uh, so more to be determined on that. Hey, one last thing. I don't know if you heard this, but earlier today, Salt Lake City shifting their focus potentially to the 2034 Winter Olympics rather than the 2030. A uh, big part of that is that the Los Angeles is hosting in 2028, and so probably more likely to have that some separation may be needed so that the Olympics aren't in the United States for a summer and winter back-to-back. But it's still moving in that direction that uh, – that the Salt Lake City is moving closer and closer to being an official bid opportunity to win the Olympics, the Winter Olympics, to bring them back to Salt Lake City. Um, and uh, I don't know. I think that's actually quite exciting. Uh, I got to work at the Olympics way back when. It was a great experience. And uh, it's great to have the world come to our state. It was great for the state, great exposure. And uh, it was it was a tremendous games. So... A lot of those facilities are still in use and still in good condition. Anyway, we'll keep an eye on it. Have a great night, everybody.